You're listening to the Crowdfunding Nerds Podcast, a podcast that will help you succeed before, during, and after your crowdfunding event. And now, here is your host, Andrew Lowen. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another awesome episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. I am your host, Andrew Lowen, and I am joined by Sean and my payroll guy, Mark Gleason. Welcome to the show. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Hello. So this episode's topic relates to common sense finance advice. It's something that I was joking with the, with the guys before we started recording, but I really hope that you learn nothing from this podcast. And the reason for that, this particular podcast, is because I hope that you already know everything that we're going to talk about. But as business owners or business owner hopefuls that are going to crowdfund or even people that have an established business... I feel like common sense finance advice, as my finance professor in college used to say, is oftentimes more than common sense. And we've never really done a podcast that focuses on finance. So we're going to try to make it fun. But boy, this is an important one to listen to, I think. I asked Mark. Uh, he's, he's my payroll guy, has been for many years for Next Level Web and Crowdfunding Nerds. He runs G2 Business Solutions, which is a payroll company, does all sorts of stuff. Would you share a little bit about yourself and your expertise for our audience? Sure. Uh, Mark Gleason. I uh, am the owner and CEO of G2 Business Solutions, Inc. We help small businesses with, initially it was payroll processing, and uh, in recent years have spread out into the world of credit card processing for small business, as well as HR solutions. Been in this field for over 20 years and uh, know a lot, enough to be dangerous. So hopefully I, uh, I'm, a, I'm an asset to you here uh, today. So our first topic is accounting. We're going to talk about some basics. So first of all, accounting is something where you actually know what the heck your numbers mean behind the scenes. You should have an accountant. You should have a certified public accountant in the US. I don't know what it is abroad, Sean. What is the, is, is that the same profession abroad? Uh, probably. <laughs> I have an accountant and I hope they're certified. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's called a CPA in the US, but you know, an accountant is what you need. In general, you don't, the truth is you don't actually need a CPA. You need an accountant. This is somebody who's kind of a step above a bookkeeper and they help you make sure that you pay your, your money to the government, uh, that you know how much you actually made, that you know, you know, your, the amount that you spent and what you spent it on. And it's infinitely important if you plan on having a business that survives. And I'd like to point out, it even goes beyond knowing what you're spending and, and you know, knowing the money, but also strategizing on how to minimize the impacts of taxes, um, which is really one of the most important parts of you know, your accounting partnership, I think, is to really yeah. limit how much you pay within the, the parameters of the law that is. <laughs> so. so with deliverance, I raised $314,000 on Kickstarter. Then we raised another $190,000 through Backerkit. And I received huge lump sums in, uh, in my account that, uh, this, that the IRS in the United States considers income. So I received 314, well, let's say 200, around $290,000 into my bank account three weeks after our Kickstarter ran. Then the year passed without me spending, you know, I, I repaid the, 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 the people that I owed for things like graphic design art, you know, people that were waiting for my money, the, the advertising services and, and whatnot. I also reimbursed my, myself for the marketing expenses that I had incurred. I ran up a credit card. I ran up a home equity line of credit. 
So I was able to reimburse those expenses and track them right away. But we had about $200,000 or more that just rolled over into the next year sitting in my bank account. And the IRS says, wow, great, you made $200,000. And that's a huge problem because they will tax me on that $200,000 of income. A key here is, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a term, accrual basis accounting. That is so important for you as a business owner that, that crowdfunds. You need to know what that is and you need to, to um, engage in accrual basis accounting. You Generally, I'm going to tell you, you can't do that yourself. You, you know, one person listening to this podcast might be an accountant that says, I can do it. Another person's a stubborn idiot that says, I'll do it. I'll, I'll learn how. I recommend you don't do that. <laughs> I recommend you get an accountant that knows how to do accrual basis accounting. Accrual basis accounting, just so you know, is that you only record income after your expenses have been applied. So I have a huge manufacturing bill. Um, I need to have the invoice from the manufacturer as to the, the amount of that bill. Um, I will use that in my taxes to show that I have a $180,000 bill or $150,000 bill to be paid by my manufacturer. I have a $50,000 shipping bill to be paid to my shipping partners and, and that sort of thing. That will, that will show the IRS that I actually haven't made any money, but that I am waiting to pay for future expenses. That's going to save you a boatload in taxes. A third of my $200,000 would be paid to the, uh, to the, the government if I didn't um, use accrual basis accounting. And that's $60,000. So it's kind of a perfect example to me of, uh, you know, you don't know what you know until you know it, meaning sort of you get into business knowing what you're doing. You know, in your case, the, the web gets things, the, the crowdfunding for your different ventures. But what do you do then once you got the money? <laughs> it's it's uh, some people kind of forget that there is a whole bunch of steps and things that you need to be doing once you get to that point. So it uh, kudos to getting there. But uh, in the same respect, it just it kind of shines light to the, the situations that most small business owners fall into, which is yep. they don't know about finance. They don't know about payroll. They know about what they do and just have been successful in that. And in turn now are expected to be experts in all these different areas. It's, uh... Yeah, I think that's like one of the one of the biggest problems that we face as uh, as a business owners are that we want to continue doing what we enjoy doing, what what got us into the business, the passion that we felt for doing the particular thing. For me, designing this board game or or marketing clients and and that kind of thing. And it, it feels like for me, monetary transaction is necessary. You know, like when I when we take on a new marketing client, they pay us and and everything. But the passion doesn't come from getting paid for me. It comes from actually seeing other people succeed. It brings me joy when somebody funds on day one or, you know, like uh, this gate zero game that we're marketing right now on, on um, you know, we consulted for them. They funded in 79 hours, almost $216,000 for a Bible-based video game. No, nothing like that has ever really been done before. It's been attempted unsuccessfully, but, you know, it's just, it, it feels good. And, and yet I have to deal with taxes and finance and other things that I hate. I personally hate. <laughs> so. And going back to this concept of not knowing what you don't know, uh, here, I don't know how it is in the States, but in the UK, when you first start a business, the first year you, you essentially have to pay double tax. So it's sort of as a way to sort of account if you fail, I suppose. And there just seems like an extra handicap on your business when you're trying to be successful. Usually the first year is going to 
either make or break. So it means in order to start a business, you sort of have to put up an upfront investment and be willing to take a loss, especially for the first first year. And people might not be aware of that. So something to consider. And I think this is why getting accountants and, and specialists in as soon as possible to consult or even help you set these things up is going to help you prepare for those inevitabilities because there's no way of escaping it. It's just, if you want to do business in the UK, this is how they they, they set things up. Yeah. You know, even in the US, it's that way, right? With uh, double taxation, you've got the money that you bring into the business gets taxed, but then on your personal taxes, the money that you take from the business as income, you have to report on your taxes so the IRS can get its pound of flesh from your taxes personally. Yeah, it just goes to show the importance of, like you said, getting that foundation of uh, the right professionals in place um, yeah. to be able to uh, minimize the tax implications, but then as well, protect those assets. Um, once, you, you know, once you're making money, then you don't want somebody coming in and suing you for something silly and uh, lose all that money. So being able to, to plan accordingly, it's, it's huge. And, and, and this kind of brings me, uh, you know, there are a number of different topics that we, we talked about bank accounts, we talked about, I mean, you know, but I, I'd really like to get into payroll right now because that's a way that you can avoid um, some of this headache. But, you know, what you do you need to have multiple employees, Mark, in order to have payroll? No. Um, unfortunately, for the small business owner and one employee, they have to follow the same rules and laws as a 10 employee business, 20 employees. So the the liability, the tax liability, the liability on the, the HR side, employee liability, they're all still there. And um, you still have to follow the same rules. So it, you know, goes back to, you know, focusing on the light, the things that you that are good for your personality, good for your business, help your business grow and not getting bogged down in the in the the mundane tasks. So even one employee, there's value in a payroll solution. And it, you know, there's lots of different solutions out there um, from very simple, almost kind of do-it-yourself calculators to the the more robust, you know, full service payroll companies. So you don't have to spend an arm and a leg. In fact, it should be a, a really a smaller poor, uh, amount of your of your business expense. Um, but the value it's going to bring is by allowing you a to protect yourself timing wise, making sure everything's paid on time, um, giving you the additional resources to deal with employee issues and things of that nature. Um, and then but also to focus on the light, which is growing the business, the revenue generating activities are really where the, the head of a business should be focusing because that's you're driving the ship. So outsource the, the smaller things that you can, everything you can and focus on driving the ship. And in the end, it'll be, you know, financially worth it. Just the amount of headache that I save with five employees on payroll is just astronomical. I pay something like $62 and 50 cents a, a payroll, which is a chump change for, for our, for our business. We do like semi-monthly payroll and it gets handled. And what I love is I get these, these notices from the state of Washington, because that's, that's kind of where Ryan is based. Um, and it, it always says like, Oh, you haven't filled out the quarterly, whatchamacallit form. And I'm like, what's that? But it's just that my payroll system hasn't sent it yet, but it will, it just will automatically send it. So I don't have to worry about stuff like that. There are so much, there's so much red tape that I just solve that I really don't understand all of, all that that happens. I get, you know, the W-2 statements for my employees so that, you know, that they can get taken care of. It just kind of automatically all happens. 
and I don't have to worry about that. And that's it really allows me to focus on my business. So just by paying, you know, Mark and the, what is it? 120 bucks uh, in a month for my five employees. That's, that's, you know, I mean, I, I don't know exactly what it'd be for one employee, but it would be way less. And it just very simple. It helps a lot. When, when I was a solo entrepreneur, you know, I just like uh, by myself, what I would try to do is I would try to take, so I was given advice by a mentor, someone that I, that I respect, um, that I was supposed to take half um, and kind of report half of my income that I take. And then I was supposed to take an owner draw for the other half. However, I, I, I talked one day, I talked to a CPA that, you know, was like, how much, should, how much money should I report? And the, the very, very well-educated since retired CPA told me, you, the IRS expects you to pay yourself a reasonable salary for a person in your position. And he kept going to a re the reasonable, quote unquote, reasonable salary, which is not determined. However, if I'm paying myself, you know, $10,000, but then I'm actually drawing sixty dollars or $70,000 out of the business, what will happen is if you ever get audited, they will find that and you will owe a ton of money in taxes. And you have seven years of time that you're vulnerable for before the eighth year you become kind of immune. So that's if you have bad practices, you're going to get your tail kicked and you'll probably be out of business. Um, and maybe you'll be in jail. I don't know. Uh, and you're really describing the, the meat or the, the majority of my small business, you know, one employee, two employee companies, S corps, owner officers that you have to, you have to pay yourself a reasonable wage and it's such a gray area what that is, but you know, working with your CPA to determine what that is and then processing it through payroll, that's where those one employee businesses, uh, owner officers see the values that, you know, they, they have to follow the requirements. They have to follow the rules and just knowing that the I's are dotted and T's are crossed and they can, like you said, focus on the big picture business. It's, uh, it's huge. There, there are going to be a lot of people listening to this that are just solo Maybe they haven't launched their Kickstarter. So technically they haven't made any money yet. They're, they're not a true business according to the, you know, whoever would tax them. They haven't made any money. So they don't, you know, the tax people don't really care yet. But they, as soon as you make money, they, they do care. They haven't learned the dirty little secret of business ownership yet, which is uh, once you're successful, all the other things that go along with it that uh, you never even think about until you have money, until the money's there and you have employees or whatever the case may be. The, the advice I have is just get a payroll guy. Talk to, in fact, talk to Mark. Mark will take you on as a client if you are outside of, uh, you're, Mark, you're in uh, Southern California. Correct, right? San Diego based. And I'm in Texas and I have employees that are in Washington and, you know, that, that fly around and, you know, work remotely and have California and, and Texas and yeah. whatnot. Um, Kentucky? Yeah. Nationwide, yep. anywhere in the US, it uh, doesn't matter. You should have an accountant. You should have a payroll guy and a banker and other things like that, that people that can give you advice when you need it. Really, I guess it's kind of the middle, but how can they contact you? Um, well, they can reach, go through our, our website, uh, g2-businesssolutions.com. More than happy to talk to them about what they got going on with their business. Um, no strings attached. See if we can help you out and bring some clarity and value to what you're doing to allow you to focus on the light and, and drive business. Mark, do you only specialize in payroll or do you cover any type of accounting services? I don't focus on any accounting services. Um, I refer to the, my accounting partners for that. 
Um, so I, I have a, a network and team nationwide of uh, accountants, CPAs that I can refer if somebody needs um, direction in those areas. Outside of that, though, we do um, offer some other services other than just payroll. We do offer a credit card or merchant service processing for small business. Um, and the value being with our G2 is that you, as a small business, get a single point of contact, one dedicated service professional that can help you in all these different areas. So one phone number direct to them and you're able to manage you know, payroll um, as well as HR and then uh, the merchant services. So because you think you're busy now as a small business owner, wait until you actually build the business and you are then you're really busy. So try to find time you know, later on down the line is sometimes yep. easier said than done. And those things become things that you just put on the back burner and never attend to. So do it in the beginning, get the foundation in place, and then you can uh, implement yep. as needed when appropriate. Yeah. You know, uh, practice makes habit. Uh, so whatever it is you put into practice, you will, it will become your habit later. And this is a hard lesson that I had to learn because I used to, you know, kind of talking about accounting and bookkeeping and whatnot. I, I used my brain as the bookkeeping system. And, you know, when I started business, I used my bank account and looked how, at how much money was in the bank account. And then I would look at it a month later because I hated looking at the bank account and I would see a different number, but still positive, you know, hopefully still positive numbers in the bank account. And I would just say, okay, I know my, my, you know, mortgage is coming out on the first and I know my credit card bill is due on the uh, 15th and that sort of thing. But I just kind of buried my, my head when it came to um, bookkeeping. And I really suffered for that later. I had somebody that I hired in, I want to say 2012 or 2013 as my first bookkeeper. I started in 2009 and they ended up doing something really dumb. They, they recorded. So what I would do is I would use my personal checking account and I had a personal savings account. And those were the two that I used for the business, which is kind of a bad idea. Uh, you should have a business checking account. And so I finally decided I'm going to switch to a business checking account. But my credit card processing all dropped money into the personal account because that's what I had set up. So I just, you know, I did, when push came to shove, I had to put an account number in there for my, you know, to get paid. And I used the personal account. Well, I would transfer money to the business account and, and, and pay myself and pay the credit card off and whatnot. Well, the, the bookkeeper tra uh, tracked those transfers as income and I didn't pay attention. And after, you know, I want to say two years, I, I recognized, you know, I finally started looking at my books and I realized how much money it looked like I was making. And I was in huge trouble if I didn't get it fixed. And I just it let it become habit. I was ignorant and it caused me a lot of strife and, and difficult problems. I had a bad bookkeeper. I had a bookkeeper that didn't care, that didn't really pay attention to, to what was going on in my business. And, you know, thankfully now I have a great bookkeeper who knows exactly what's going on. Orlando Javier, if you're listening to this, I appreciate you. Highly um, recommended, by the way. I, I like that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I highly recommend just putting the right building blocks in place making sure that you have either you do your own bookkeeping and it's good. I actually recommend against doing your own bookkeeping. I think you should have a third party that you trust do that. It's good money spent. I spend 150 bucks a month to have somebody do my books and it's not difficult. 
I have an accountant who is not my bookkeeper that my bookkeeper will work with and produce taxes every year. My accountant will ask me for the important numbers, you know, the invoices that I, that I've paid or that I owe, you know, to make sure that they don't mark a bunch of money as income when it's not. And they make sure that all the I's are dotted, T's are crossed. And um, so that if I ever do get audited, uh, just jump in my corner and everything will be fine. You brought up a good point there too. And I don't think you even meant to um, in regards to separating the functions of, of your, who you outsource to having a CPA, having a bookkeeper, you know, you know, me being your payroll guy. A lot of people will go into uh, the business, you know, this phase of business and go to a CPA or one person and have them do everything. And I always shied away from, from that and or recommending that because how do you know that person's doing a good job? Um, they know what they know. We're, I'm not, I can't rate bookkeeping services, you know, and, and their quality um, unless we start having issues. So at the end, the point being is that by having a, a diverse team of individuals that are all doing their part to tie together and work together in a, in a, in a manner, it allows for um, quality control uh, type of scenario where you can look and see for things if there's maybe a, a player that's not the strongest. Because sometimes people, they, they can sell themselves in one way, but then they don't perform in another, unfortunately. So that's the other issue is, you know, finding the good ones and sifting through the, the riffraff. Hosting of red flags. Are there any uh, payroll red that's flags good, yeah. you could warn people of that? As yeah. we said, there's maybe certain things that people are just simply unaware of and that they need to be aware of. There, there's so many different areas of concern and or, you know, possible liability in the, as a business owner. And when, talk, when you're talking about payroll. Um, you know, red flags on the tax side. Well, you know, it, pay your taxes on time. You, know, you, you have your quarterly and annual payroll taxes. Make sure they're in there on time. As far as, uh, you know, an area in recent years that's been um, a hot topic is, you know, 1099 independent contractors. And that's a kind of a knee-jerk reaction for a lot of emerging or some, you know, growing businesses to go that route. Uh, I don't have to hire them as an employee. I'll just put them as an independent contractor. Now, there's rules out there and laws out there that really determine who fits an independent contractor relationship. So uh, making sure that you're doing your due diligence on that side. And there's a, a, a it used to be called back in the day, the 20 factors test, which is the a list of 20 questions back in the day that the IRS would ask to determine whether or not it's an independent contractor or an employee relationship. So making sure you're you're going speaking to somebody who understands that or going through that um, when making that determination. Um, but outside of that, I mean, it, it, there's there's no red flags in payroll unless you're not doing it and not doing it right, which means you're not outsourcing. Um, yep. Now on the employee side, employee relations, HR side, there's all sorts of um, things that you can get yourself into trouble with. Um, you know, not paying minimum wage, not paying overtime, and not calculating overtime and wages properly. Um, as a small business, put the pieces in place. You don't know it all. You'll never know it all. Even I don't know it all when it comes to payroll. Um, it's kind of a side story. You know, when I was younger, um, in my younger career, I owned a mortgage company for a, a while back in the late 90s and started once again, just me, up to all of a sudden, boom, here I go. I got 30 employees. So I go to visit my CPA and do my year-end year deal. And he, uh, I was doing QuickBooks payroll, mind you, doing it myself. A do-it-yourselfer because I can do everything. Well, he uh, 
immediately walking into his office, fired me, fired me right on the spot. Said, you're fired, Mark. And I was a little bit nervous by that because your CPA shouldn't fire you. But he basically he was saying, payroll, you're never doing it again. You're going to outsource this. He gave me a card to a local payroll company. I used them. And what I was forgetting or what I didn't realize is, A, I'm opening up all sorts of worlds of issues for the future, but things that I don't even know about that could come back and be a liability to me later. By having a payroll company come in, I slept better at night. I was able to not worry about that. But more important, I was able to take the next time, you know, half an hour a week that I was doing payroll related tasks. By taking that half an hour and putting it back into the revenue generating activities, once again, I made more money by outsourcing and paying somebody to do my payroll and taking that time and focusing on what I did best. I made more money and it was very quick for me to see. So don't trip up over the, the pennies to uh, when there's dollars out there to be had. If you um, if you just do it right and set the right, as we we're saying, set the right foundation. Great advice. I feel like, uh, you know, sometimes I have to talk people down from a little ledge of not wanting to pay for stuff. So, you know, people will invest so much money, uh, for example, so much money in the game that they're making. And then when it comes to marketing, they invest nothing comparatively. And it's like, you know, I, I've seen more than one really fantastic product just fail to fund at all because they didn't put emphasis into marketing. They thought, I'll save money. And what you're, you're failing to do is you're failing to complete your investment. Like you need to finish the race, you know, especially when people have the ability to spend and they choose not to, that's really where I think, you know, people make the, uh, make the mistake. You know, you have to really think through your financial plan before you go to Kickstarter, you know, and, and, um, the way I look at it is, is this, there's this concept that we've gone over a couple of times in probably some of our earlier podcasts, that concept is called sunk cost. And the way that I explain what sunk cost is, is um, so I used to be a semi-professional poker player. I uh, watched the movie called Rounders and I got so excited. I wanted to learn how to play poker. It was kind of like the grown-up Magic the Gathering for me at the time. You know, I used to play Magic and Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh and all the other card games. And, you know, so poker just looked so fantastic. A game of skill, you know, with Edward Norton and Matt Damon and, and whatever. It was a very fun movie. So my future wife, actually, along with a friend of mine, taught me how to play poker. And I became, I eventually learned how to play very well. I ran poker tournaments at my house every weekend and I ran um, online poker. I would play like up to 10 tables at once just to, um, oh, you know, 25 cent. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was hardcore. I would go to the casino, the local, uh, it was actually a card room, not, not a full casino. Uh, Ocean's 11 would have a good time there. And I actually started making money with poker and uh, it would pay for things because I was super poor. I had a bankroll of like a thousand dollars, and I would just grow it and grow it, and then spend money on stuff and keep that thousand bucks and just kind of keep uh, rolling with that. And what I learned was, and I never took any money from any little old ladies. Um, usually, there were the sharks in the room. But the uh, what I learned was, if I if I put a hundred dollars out on the table, and I say I need to go soon, you know, let's say I've I've played for a while and I've lost forty dollars, I have sixty dollars left on the table, the biggest mistake you can make is say, I'm just going to try to play to earn the money back that I had spent. You know, I want to break even on this and I'm just going to look for an opportunity to win that money back and then I'll leave. That's one of the biggest mistakes you can make. That is when you, you have a, a chance to lose all of your money because 
you know, the $60 that you have, you could walk away with $60 right now, or you could play lose and then walk away with nothing. And that is the choice that people don't realize they're making when they sit down with poker. So the, the correct decision is when you sit down with a hundred dollars and you, you know, in this example, you lose $40 playing over time. You, you have to consider right from the very beginning that you lost a hundred dollars. You put a hundred on the table, you start with $0, but you have a hundred on the table. Whatever you return from the table is money that you then gain. You have to consider that money lost or sunk in order to play properly, in order to make the right decisions. So this isn't true with absolutely everything. You don't need to, you know, like if we're if using this uh, in like Facebook ads, for example, you don't need to plan, oh, I'm going to put, uh, I'm going to sink a thousand dollars into Facebook ads. You'll be able to sink a little bit gain information and enough to make decisions, but you know, that's certainly going to be before a thousand dollars, maybe like, let's say 60 to a hundred dollars in, in Facebook ads, you'll be able to make some decisions and change and whatnot, but you need to invest money and, and just plan on investing a certain amount of money. Like for, for, for deliverance, the campaign, I decided to invest. I'm, I was planning on investing as much as I possibly could that amount was $6,000 in marketing. It was spent over a three-month period, and that's all I had to my name that I was willing to, I was willing to lose. We ended up making $141,000 on the first day, which paid all the money back, which was great. And then I was able to you know, invest more into marketing because raising that money justified me spending more on marketing. And, and, you know, three weeks after the Kickstarter ends, you get money into your bank account that is going to pay it off. And so if, if you, you know, that I then was able to spend money responsibly, but what my family was willing to do is lose $6,000. We made that decision that we are going to invest in the pre-marketing of this game. It may or may not fund. I'm not a mind reader. I have a, you know, a great inkling of uh, plenty of signals that show me the game is doing well, that people like it and that kind of thing. But I don't have any guarantees. You don't have any guarantees in life. You need to plan on sinking some money so that you can achieve what you need to achieve. I, I just feel like it's uh, kind of, um, you know, people that try to dip their toe in and get the results of uh, viral success are actually shooting them, just shooting themselves in the foot. So Mark, yeah. I, I think that it's important to trust experts, but I also think there's a danger where all trust is thrown into experts. As you said, I think people need to know a little bit to be to be dangerous, to know, to know that they are dealing with someone who actually is qualified and can actually do a good job. So is there any resources that you recommend that people can maybe just familiarize themselves with some of these concepts, even if it's rudimentary, I think it probably would help people. Can you direct people to anywhere where they could learn a little bit about this too, as, as you said, be dangerous so that when they are dealing with a professional in this space, they can say, okay, I, I can trust you. I know that you, yes, you know what you're talking about. Uh, I think that really, for me anyways, uh, comes down to your network, having a network of individuals that you can trust. And, you know, how, how do you, how do you get a network, right? Because everybody's a stranger until you meet them. Um, so, it, you know, for me, it's about, looking at other, you know, when I was growing my business, looking at other business owners that were successful and, you know, asking them questions about who did they talk to, who did they re refer to for these things? You know, in, in my particular case, my clients get the benefit of me and that network already built in. So if they need something, you know, whether it's 
payroll related or even something completely out of left field, like artwork for your office space. I have people that in place that can fill those needs that are trustworthy that I would trust for myself. So I, unfortunately, you know, to answer your question, I have no answer of where you could send somebody because the, there's the number of situations and number of things you have to deal with as a business owner is so varied. Uh, you know, going from, you know, my wheelhouse payroll finance to selling your advertising, marketing, whatever. And so it, it, it's all about, I guess, really what I would say is um, for the starting business, find somebody, you know, you trust that's successful and sit down and have a talk with them and pick their brains about who do they know. And you'll be surprised. They may be able to direct you to those professionals that you can take their word as you know to the bank and know that they're you know the truly understand their craft there are a couple of community resources that i found to be very helpful for me personally when i was starting up and uh you know when i needed to get you know when i wasn't sure who to trust on a particular issue i actually went to reddit because um on reddit i was able to create a um just a, a secondary account that wasn't linked to anything that was you know me personally I wanted to ask a question anonymously and, you know, here and there about really serious personal finance issues or business things that, that were very important that might also make me look bad, you know, if, if people were to, to know who I was at the time, always in relation to just novice finance questions. And I found that the, uh, the small business subreddit, the entrepreneur subreddit, and the personal finance subreddits were very, very helpful. I, I find the, the communities in those places are actually quite helpful and very uh, just encouraging overall. You know, Reddit can be a place that is, uh, you know, just where you get trolled really hard for, you know, a spe any kind of self-promotion, you get trolled really hard. But when you're asking an honest question or you want to know, you know, you want to gain resources for something, there are a lot of resources that are all uh, that are already there in those places in relation to finance. People that are very, very helpful that will actually answer your questions. People don't troll for no reason on Reddit. They always troll because of uh, you're, you know you're trying to sell something or sure. whatever. But if you ask a genuine question, they will be very, very helpful. It's one of the things about that community that I find so such a conundrum, so juxtaposing, such an oxymoron. Like Reddit is so helpful, but they're the most hardcore trolls on the internet are, are Redditors. I actually think that um, everyone on Reddit is a Dota 2 player. I've never never tried to Reddit for that, but it, it got me thinking about, you know, more locally for small and emerging businesses, you know, reaching out to the, the, the local avenues, you know, being Chamber of Commerce for one, allows you to um, build that network, but at the same time also market your your business or what you're doing to, to your, you know, your local market, which typically should be your, your starting point, you know, start with around you and then work out for the mayor. But then, you know, as well, there's other things uh, even more, and you, you know about this one, Andrew, that's organizations like BNI, which, you know, they, it has its place to really allow you to supercharge your network of business professionals almost overnight. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, there's costs and, requirements that go along with it. There's the strings attached, so to speak. So, but uh, both of those on a local level, as well as in doing Reddit, I think you'd be able to, you know, if you had no network, you could very quickly uh, be a networker. Well, even in our crowdfunding nurse community, I'm sure there's lots of people who are in the same country as yourself in the same boat. So that might be good to um, ask there as well. 
Mark, would you be able to answer any questions in our community if people had them after this episode? Is that something you're willing to do? By all means, I'm. I'm. Uh, I run my business to to be a resource to to small business. So you know whether or not it's a a potential client, it doesn't matter um, because. You know, maybe today they're not a potential client, but five years from now, they've grown it into where they want it to be and they're going to need some help. So um, I'm all about um, helping the, the small business succeed and, and helping them uh, you know, achieve those dreams because I'm, I'm, I'm part of that, too. I'm small business. I, I'm, uh, so I get it and we need to stick together. So definitely. Great. So and the, when, when we post this episode in our Facebook group, you can ask your questions in the comments and, and Mark will uh, get to it if you have any. Sure. Sounds great. I welcome awesome. them. Fantastic. Well, uh, thank you so much, Mark, for your for your time and your expertise and uh, you know the conversation. I hope that everybody listening to this enjoyed the um, difficult navigation around the topic of general finance. But if you have any additional questions, I think that these are the types of questions that r- relate to finance are oftentimes neglected by people in our industry because we like to do the fun stuff. But I think that if you have one, that it would be an excellent opportunity to just get the community talking about this type of stuff. It's so important. And you definitely don't want to be reactionary in the realm of finance. You want to be very proactive. And so if this podcast inspires one person to be proactive about their finance, then it's all worth it. But uh, Mark, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Likewise, Andrew, Sean, it's been a pleasure. All right. And we'll have Robot Richard send us out. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. For more resources, articles, and to listen to past podcasts, please visit us at crowdfundingnerds.com. Thank you all again for listening to this week's episode, and we'll see you next week. Stay nerdy. Stay nerdy.